Welcome back to Warrior Talk, the voice of Little Rock Christian Academy, a.k.a. Warriorville. This is Gary Arnold, your host and your head of school. As you know, about every 10 days or two weeks, we like to grab 10 minutes of your time just to talk about schooling, education, parenting, and building community in the grace and truth of Jesus. Well, I'm just so glad to be sitting here today with two beautiful professional educators, Mrs. Ann Shami, head of our lower school, and Mrs. Dawn Sanders, first grade teacher par excellence. You might have been hearing in the headlines about schools and all the tension in our public schools and our larger cities of whether they should reopen and when. And one of the big concerns, both uh, existentially and also just looking at the data, is are our kids losing ground? Well, of course they are. They haven't been in school last spring, this summer, and for most of this year. How will we ever catch up? How will we ever regain all that learning? Well, yes, we've been privileged here at Little Rock Christian Academy because we're in Arkansas, and the public schools and the private schools have been open since August 19th. So we're pretty confident that we haven't lost ground, but there was still the spring of 2020, and there was the summer of 2020, and surely there was some erosion there. What I wanted to do is ask Mrs. Shami and Mrs. Sanders what their impressions are as of now, late February 2021, about how our kids are learning and the pace and whether they have uh, gained ground back and what the prospects look for, like for the uh, the next few months. Mrs. Shami, what are you thinking about these days? You know, as we started school, I think we had heard so much on um, the news about the loss of skills for children. And as I thought about it, I really talked with our teachers about the need for really doing some um, assessments when children return to school. And so we spent a good part of the first two weeks of school really assessing where children were. Because we knew if we could find out where they were, then we could meet their needs. If they had lost anything, we could pick up that. If they were ready to go, we would be ready to go. And I can say, overall, our children hadn't lost much. And parents, that's a tribute to you all, just because you made sure that virtual school happened. You did things within your home, like reading to your children, having conversations with your children, practicing math facts, things like that, that kept those skills up. And I think we know every summer, children lose a little. There's just what we call the summer slide in education. Um, and we found that really honestly, this summer slide was not as big as we anticipated it might be. And I think that's just because of our use of virtual learning as new and as whatever the word it was for a first time jumping into it. But I also think just your work with your children at home was beneficial. But I do think probably Miss Sanders can give us a little, I mean, just on the field talk. So Miss Sanders, what about first graders? I would like to say, first of all, that parents are, you have been phenomenal. Um, I agree with Mrs. Shami. You have provided just excellent 
care for your children through this um, season in our in our learning. And when the children returned, I honestly did not see much loss. We hit the ground running and children were ready. I think that made all the difference in the world. And then their just love for school and ready to be back. We were able to just get right back into routine. Those assessments proved that we had some ground to cover, but not as much as we thought we did. And I think the teachers have been phenomenal because they were ready. They hit the ground running and they pulled me along. I was very timid coming back and um, not really sure what to do, but just watching my coworkers just back in routine, just made a world of difference. So I think we're very, very blessed in in the fact that we were able to come back to school and we've been here. You know, that's reassuring for me because I tell you, I am scared for our nation in terms of the educational complex. Let's talk about reading for a minute because both of you are true professionals in the science and the art of reading. We've been known for years as a reading school, but lately we've been equally as strong in science and in math, but reading is fundamental and foundational to all disciplines. The big buzzword in Arkansas lately has been scientific reading, and maybe you're uh, asking yourself, what is scientific reading? Did I miss something? Uh, My understanding is it's just good old old old-fashioned phonics. There's always been this little uh, tug of war between whole language reading and phonics, uh, and right now phonics is winning the day. There's good science behind that, hence the term scientific reading. I'd like to ask Mrs. Shami and Mrs. Sanders what their impression of scientific reading is and how we utilize phonics and what they see for the future. From what we've learned and we know is um, reading really is a science. You don't just um, pick up a book one day and read. Most of the time, most children have to be taught to read. And from what we've looked with the brain and studies in the brain, there is a way to do that. And as Dr. Arnold said, phonics is key. But also in that is phonemic awareness There's also vocabulary. There's also fluency. Learning to read is hard. And for some children, they catch it pretty quickly. Other children work very hard for a number of years to really catch what reading is. I will say when um, the signs of reading came out in Arkansas and all of this was happening, of course I was like, oh my, what, what are we doing? And then as I sat down and I studied and I sat through um, some RISE classes within the public school system, I found out, oh my, it's what we've been doing. It is what we've been doing. We've never strayed from teaching our children phonics, never. We do believe in phonics. We believe children need to learn the sounds of letters and be able to read and sound out words. We also believe there's skills they have to have even before that. So we go back to rhyming and things along those lines. So I feel really good where we are with the tasks that Arkansas has set for the schools. I do think it's a great thing to look at because I do think reading is something that is needs to be examined for all schools and we won't stop looking at it now we will continue to so our children can really become the very best readers that God intends for them to be so the question again do we use scientific reading at Little Rock Christian Academy 
Yeah, the answer is yes. We just don't use that term. Uh, we're probably uh, just more comfortable and familiar with the term of phonics. Do we teach pure, hardcore phonics? No, not so much. I mean, I've been in programs like that where there are 73 rules that each reader has to approach every sentence in, with in mind, and that gets very heavy on a student. So we take the best of phonics, we take a multifaceted approach to the appreciation of, of a whole language and literature and love of reading. And the proof is in the pudding. When you cross the creek and you come over to the high school and you sit on an AP English class and the kids are engaging with the most rigorous of tests and reading with such fluency, uh, we know that our reading program works. Now let's talk a minute about math. Ann and I were talking about how strong Singapore math is with concepts and how one of our goals this year is to go back and reinforce math facts to compensate for any loss last spring or summer. But she brought up a very, very important point that I'd like her to, uh, to share with you now. Ann, what's the most essential, what's the most important thing that our families can be thinking about when it comes to their math education? The thing about math is math takes practice and we practice every day i think families the thing you could do is practice on math at home you know it's easy to pick up a book and read with your child or have your child read to you or whatever talk about a book but sitting down and working on math facts not so much fun but really and truly that memorization of those math facts is key and I think one of the approaches in Singapore, it's really that children will learn the sense of numbers, which is very important. But knowing your math facts by memory is going to take you a very long way all the way through high school because you're not having to spend your time figuring out the fact. You have it in your long-term memory and you can pull it up and use it in more extended um, operations. So practice those math facts. I know we say it all the time. I know it's written in the planner every day, but really and truly, the very best thing you can do for your children in the area of math is to practice those math facts. This has been a big week in the high school because we've just unveiled a six-week study on Miles McPherson's third option, a hope for a racially divided world. We've been so focused on kingdom unity and diversity this year. We've been, we've been really talking about racial shalom. Hope you've had a chance to listen to our podcasts with Maron King and Justin Smith on that topic. But I'm sitting here with Mrs. Dawn Sanders, and what a beautiful woman. And she really opened my eyes to something this year that I wanted to share with you. And actually, I want her to share with you while she has the microphone. And that is the implications of Black History Month. Uh, Dawn was telling me that a one-month-a-year celebration just falls a little short. And I'd love for her to share with us her vision for celebrating Black contribution to the strength and culture of the country we love. I think all history is important. And I think America, I think this world was built on the contributions of so many people, African-Americans, Hispanics, German, uh, you name it across the spectrum. When I think of 
history, I honestly do not think of just black history. I think it would be very selfish of me to want to focus on just what African Americans have done or what white Americans have done or just Hispanics have done. So my vision is that when we talk about black history, that it's intertwined in all history because it is. There is no history without all histories. So I think to celebrate black history or history of any culture in a month, in a week, it is it, it does fall short. And what I, I think is that we are dividing history and cultures by celebrating them in particular months and weeks. We're putting things in categories. So I would like for us to just live life, learn history. And when we are learning something in particular and a person has made a contribution, no matter that person's race or background, let's teach our children that person's contribution. That is my vision. That fills me up. And thank you for sharing that because not just with Black History Month, but I've learned that March is Women's History Month. And we're segmenting our groups into each month in a way that I know builds consciousness and exposes us to the richness of everybody's contribution. But as Mrs. Sanders has said, you know, it also might uh, give us a tunnel vision as to how it all fits together as a whole. That's why we've adopted the third option, which really focuses on hope and unity and why we walk around quoting Ephesians 4.3 all the time, that our goal is to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And not only that, but Paul in Galatians reminds us that in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile, male or female, that we are just one in him. That's the beauty of it. And I think that's what we're trying to just nurture in such healthy ways from three-year-olds to 18-year-olds to 65-year-olds here on campus. We're one family in Christ. Well, I can't thank Mrs. Shami and Ms. Sanders enough for sharing with us wisdom on learning loss and on the power of reading. So thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. Until then, go in peace and go Warriors.